Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 18, Episode 19. This is Writing Excuses.
What is publishing for anyway? 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Dong Wan. I'm Aaron. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. So this is a big topic. And I think this kind of comes out of one of the newsletters I wrote that um, I called The Publishing Question. And it was me trying to encapsulate a little bit what I think the fundamental question of publishing is, which kind of led me to further questions of, why do this, right? You 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 write st- books, you tell stories. What is the purpose of engaging in publishing as an industry, as an enterprise? Why go through all of this complication uh, and frustration to get your book out in the world? I mean, the short and obvious answer is, well, then you get paid for it and you can make a <laughs> living doing it. Yeah. Uh, there's a certain appeal to that. <laughs> but one thing I want us to think about a little bit is, understanding what the publishing industry does, how it does it, and why it does it. Yeah, and I think that this is a a question that I ask students a lot, is like, why do you want to publish? Which is different than why do you want to write? And I think that you have to know that. It's like, if you want it for audience, if you're doing it for money, if you're doing it for fame and glory, um, you know, why, why... do you want to publish? Because there's a lot of different paths to publishing. If you want to be somebody who regularly hits the New York Times bestseller, then you're not somebody who writes a book every 10 years, usually, with a couple of notable exceptions. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so, like, why are, why, what career path do you want that publishing to look like? It's, it's, it's a lot of why in that. Exactly. Many years ago, um, my friend David Kellett uh, talking about cartooning, said uh, none of us get into cartooning to be rich. We got into it because we'd be drawing the comics anyway, mm-hmm. and this is a nice way to be able to do it all the time. And and I loved that spin on it, and it totally applies to you know being a a full time author. Uh, we attach ourselves to the publishing industry because it is a way to pay for our habit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and as someone who has done a ton of freelance and write for hire, I've written in virtually every medium uh, that, that you can name. I keep coming back to the publishing industry itself uh, because I have so much more hands-on control of what stories I am telling. Uh, I've written for TV. I've written for games. I've written for movies. I've written for all this other stuff, and most of that is putting my energy into somebody else's ideas. Publishing is the one where I really get to sink my energy into my own ideas, which is just really fun. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's funny. That's actually kind of my my first job out of college was working in television production for a news program, actually. And what brought me to working in books was it, it was a smaller team. It was three people, four people. And so I could get closer to the art. I could get closer to the process and work with the creator very directly. And, you know, I think that is one of the appealing things about the process. And it's important to remember that publishing, you know, I will talk about publishing in in a way that will sound almost cynical, right? Because publishing is a business. It's a capitalist enterprise. It's a corporation. Um, And it's important to remember that the only reason a publisher exists under that logic is to make money, right? That profit is what drives them. Um, there are a few exceptions. There are a few nonprofit presses out there that do incredible work. There's a few academic presses. They are subject to some money demands, but not in the same way that you know a big five publisher is. But 
from out Big Five Publishing, Indie Presses, most of those things, money is king, unfortunately, because that's the world we live in. And, you know, when art and capitalism collide, it can be an awkward fit, and there can be a lot of churn in that. Um, And so I think figuring out what publishing is trying to accomplish and what it's building for and what its tools are for are important to building a sustainable career for yourself and figuring out what it is you want to get out of this, right? So, you know, in Howard's case, that is very much a, I want to be able to keep doing this, right? I want to be able to spend all of my time creating the art that I love. Publishing is a way to do that, right? And I think comics in particular led to a very direct-to-audience self-publishing model through webcomics in, in a particular era. You know, when you're looking at traditional book publishers, that gets a little bit more attenuated because of the time involved. Yeah, although I will say that that if you are wanting to do this simply so that you have more time to write the things that you want to write, getting an extremely high-paying job where you only have to work one day of the week and then publishing to AO3 is is actually going to give you more time to write in Absolutely. a lot of ways. <laughs> because much of what the career in publishing is, is all of the other stuff, which we've been talking about, like with newsletters and conference appearances and all of that. But I think everybody who goes into publishing, like even the editors, you know, the editors who seem all high powered and fancy, they don't make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. People go into this because we love stories and we love connecting to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And passion driven industries are, are tricky because, you know, they are driven by the fact that I love books. I love stories. I love the books that I work on. I also need to pay rent and pay for groceries and do all of those things. Um, and as an agent, my income is very directly tied to book sales and to my author's success, right? So I need to be publishing and representing authors who are selling enough books that they can make a living and I can make a living, right? Th- th- those are just things that are the base requirements of what I do. And if you're an editor, you can't just acquire what you love. You also have to acquire things that... Um, have commercial potential and success. Now, figuring out what has commercial potential and success is its own sort of very complicated game to do, but it's a thing to keep in mind that even on the other side of the line, from the industry side, even though we are driven by our love for this and our passion for this, we're also facing certain realities of the market, right, of of sales that um, need to be answered to in one way or the other. Um, when I was in the software industry, uh, we called one aspect of that job inbound marketing, which was the process of looking at what the marketing is market the market is consuming right now, and then going back to our team and saying, "Can we build that?" And when authors do it, uh, it and we often counsel against this. Uh, you know, oh, you're just chasing the market. By the time you write that, it won't be. It won't be ready. But as I understand it, editors do this all the time where their market research people come to them and say, you know what? We need to get books that look like this. Can you go get books that look like this? And as an author, I I have no idea how I would get inside that loop so that I give them the book that they're exactly (laughs) looking for. But that's a thing to be aware of. It's a thing that happens. Time machine. Exactly, time machines. That's how you do it. You're I've not been using, using a time it, machine. No, Howard? I've been using it wrong. I've just been using <laughs> yeah. it. I've been using it to make sure the eggs are fresh. 
That was silly. So, there we Listen, go. Listen, if you use all your time machine time to go look at dinosaurs, you can't expect to get yeah. a best album. <laughs> okay, so Dong Wan, I want to ask this. Yeah. I want to turn this back to you. Because uh, okay. you asked this question of what is publishing for, and we kind of gave our answers. Um, you're coming at this from a completely different perspective than us. Mm-hmm. You're not the one who is writing the stories. You're not the one who is putting your own vision out there. What What is publishing for from your perspective? Why are you pa- as passionate about it as, as we are? I'm there's sort of two answers for that. I mean, one is it is my career, right? and it has been my entire adult life. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to make a living, and and you know I would like to be rich and successful, and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, I mean, the other side of it is that I do think telling stories is very important, um, and I do think it is sort of how we change the world over time. Is we make a better world by imagining better futures, right? So if we can tell the right kind of stories, then I think we can really have an influence over. Uh, at a generational scale, the world. Um, now, figuring out a way to make those two things dovetail is uh, the real challenge. And um, I heard a quote recently that was from a podcast. Uh, Brendan Lee Mulligan said something like, maybe that's what peace is, is when you realize that the thing that you have to do and the thing that you love to do are the same thing. And I think for me, working in publishing is very much that. Um, so I am both, you know, greedy and want all the all the bucks and all the big bestsellers, but I'm also very mission-driven in addition to passion-driven, right? All those things kind of dovetail for me into one thing that is a cohesive core. Um, yeah, so I think that is kind of the thing that really is the engine that keeps me doing this, keeps me pushing through a lot of the heartbreak that this business in, involves. Um, and, you know, I want to get a little bit more into uh, some of the nitty-gritties of, of what that means on a day-to-day basis. But before we do that, let's take a break. So, the thing- Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique, which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Thing of the week this week is um, another newsletter, uh, a newsletter that is uh, from a very dear friend of mine and a colleague of mine, Kate McKean. Uh, she's also a literary agent at the same agency that I'm at, the Howard Morheim Literary Agency. Uh, Kate and I started our newsletters the same week, the first week of 2019. We had not talked to each other. We did not coordinate this, and we just both started sending uh, newsletters out about what we were doing um, coincidentally, and it was such a delight to for both of us to take our own perspectives, our own different methods, and start building an audience. Um, Kate's newsletter is truly wonderful. Uh, unlike me, she publishes on a very regular schedule at, twice a week um, and has much more grounded and practical advice and really thoughtful perspective that comes from her many, many years in the business as well. Um, I cannot recommend Kate's newsletter highly enough. Uh, you can find it at katemckean.substack.com. It is called Agents and Books, uh, or you can just follow her on Twitter. Uh, again, that's Kate McKean's Agents and Books. So one thing I also want to talk about, in addition to sort of like my passion for the industry, the reason I love working in publishing as a business um, and you won't find a lot of people who say that they love publishing as a business model, um, but I, I genuinely do. And I love it because it's kind of stupid. <laughs> and what I mean by that is it is a business model that has not fundamentally changed in hundreds of years. What you do is you print a book and you hope that that costs less money to do than the revenue you make from selling it to people, right? Right. 
we make physical objects, we ship them around the world, and then we collect revenue from people who want those. Most profit in publishing still comes from selling physical books in stores. Publishing is as much a manufacturing and distribution business as it is a content business, right? And it's why publishing has been so resistant to startups, to disruptors, to all these different things, because it's kind of too stupid to mess with on some level. And that gives me so much joy and so much hope for a future for publishing, which I know sounds backwards. What I am saying that the future for publishing is that it's kind of backward looking, I think is truly a wonderful thing that I find a lot of interest and joy in, in figuring out how to survive in that. I think during season one of Writing Excuses, and it took me a few minutes to look this up during, you know, during our break, um, Mike Stackpole described publishing, the, the whole point of publishing was to make money by shipping cheap bundles of paper all over the world and tricking people into buying it by getting people's stories printed in it and only paying those people tiny little amounts of royalties uh, to ensure that you're being paid as much as possible for shipping this paper around. It was such an incredibly cynical uh, mm -hmm. point of view. And then I read uh, David Hudju's uh, The Ten Cent Plague talking about uh, the birth of comics and learned that the book. comics page existed because it was a way to sell surplus paper. Mm -hmm. They had surplus paper and a way to print color on it, and they wanted to make money. And so they got kids to draw, I say kids, the guys who created Superman were like 20 years old. Um, and so at that very cynical vein, publishing exists and has existed for, you know, 100 years or more in order to sell paper by putting your story on it. After so, three years of a paper shortage, boy, do I wish we had that surplus stock now. <laughs> so I have this series of thoughts that is colliding in my head. And the first of those is we've been talking about novels. Yes. And there is also the whole short story publishing industry. Mm -hmm. And that has moved almost exclusively online. Yep. There's very few, like most of the, the short fiction is, is electronic these days. Um, except for the things that come out as novellas, as beautiful artifacts. Mm -hmm. And and the, the whole idea of the cheap bundles of paper, I think that is a fundamental shift that we've seen, is that that now people really want the artifact, that you you are seeing the cheap versions, that those are being replaced by other things. And I'm curious about what your thoughts are about how that totally. is shifting. Stackpole was talking about a different era of publishing. That mm -hmm. was the mass market yep. era of publishing. That era died, unfortunately, in like the early in the 2000s in the aughts. Um, that was sort of my start in publishing was watching mass market, which is the thing I grew up on and deeply love and will miss every day. Uh, get phased out of existence, basically. Um, by the way, I'm making lots of big, broad, generalizing <laughs> statements. I fully recognize that. Please don't at this me on Twitter a, about all This is a broad brush. It's We're getting paint brush. everywhere. Um, I, I did state my publishing is stupid thing somewhat provocatively. Obviously, I'm aware of these things. Caveats there. Um, but basically, so I think we moved away from the cheap bundles of paper to expensive bundles of paper. Okay. Uh, I think the goal, I mean, we, we've seen the individual cost of books go up twofold, threefold, fourfold over the course of my career in publishing, right? Most of our money is now coming from hardcovers. We aren't shipping 100,000 mass markets of a debut novel anymore. We're shipping 10,000, 15,000 hardcovers, right? Profit 
is still going up. Publishers are making more money. Publishers are quite healthy financially uh, in general when they're not losing lots of money trying to buy other publishers. Um, in, in general, though, the business has been doing quite well, and that business is doing well primarily on the back of print, and that has really been focused on high-quality, beautiful editions. Um, we've seen all these special editions that Barnes & Noble is doing, Waterstones is doing, all the book crates. People are investing very deeply in books as objects, which is very delightful to me in many ways because I love a beautiful book. But there is the, also the part of me that has seen the readership contract because of that. As the price points go up, you have fewer readers. And, you know, there are some concerns I have about that as well. So it's a balancing act. You know, when I say the, the business hasn't changed, I mean, fundamentally, we're still printing books and making money from selling physical goods. But how we sell it, who we sell it to, what genres we emphasize, those do evolve and shift over time. And we are kind of going to an older model, pre-Pulp Fiction, pre-Penny Dreadful, sort of into this more like elevated, bigger book kind of mode. And I think we can see that in the kind of books that are succeeding. Even what's winning awards, what's on bestseller list, there's been a subtle shift. Not that, you know, commercial fiction isn't still incredibly viable. It obviously is. But uh, I think undeniably, especially in the SFF space, there's been a little bit of a shift in what traditional publishers are looking for and finding success in. This leads me to a question, which is perhaps a very a silly one, but if I'm a writer, how much should I care about that part of the business? Like, how much should I be watching those shifts and trying to catch them, as we were talking about earlier? And how much should I, like, is it good to know publishing is a business for my own peace of mind so that when, like, they <laughs> reject my book, I can be like, well, it's just a business decision. And how much should I care about it and try to work with that business? I think Did I go into authoring for peace of mind? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I went for the roller coaster. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's a fantastic question, right? Um, and, you know, sometimes I talk about this stuff and I'm like, is this helping anybody? <laughs> and, you know, I think that is kind of the core of that question is what, what do I want writers to do with that information? And a little bit of it is peace of mind. A little bit of it is understanding that when your publisher is making a decision, it might look insane to you. There are reasons why it's happening, right? There are logic behind it. It may be bad logic. You may not like that logic. It may be bad for you in particular. But um, one thing I do want to emphasize is that publishers are rational creatures, um, if given certain definitions of <laughs> insanity, which is capitalism, right? Um, but they are making their choices based on a certain kind of logic. I, I often don't like the logic, right? Um, and I think that helps as a baseline of understanding. I think the more practical thing is understanding that publishing is really trying to answer one single question, which is how many copies of this book can we sell? And who can we sell it to, right? The way they answer the question of how many can we sell is by saying, this is the audience, right? This is why comp titles are so important, because this is the language in which publishers use to talk about how big the audience is. But anytime they're acquiring a book, putting marketing dollars behind a book, printing a book, publicity decisions, all those things derive from the fundamental question of, we think this book will sell N copies, right? A success is when it sells a multiple of N. A failure is when it sells less than N, right? That's, the, the, the whole business can be boiled down to that, right? So for you, as you're approaching the industry, the thing that I think you need to start thinking about as a writer is, who is my audience, really? And how big is that audience? 
I don't think this thing you should think of when you're deciding what novel to write or when you're writing your first draft. But once that novel exists and you're getting ready to pitch it to publishers, I think taking a step back and really thinking about who is my audience? How big is that audience, right? Um, is it five people who like this one very tiny, tiny subgenre? Or is it, you know, applicable to the biggest audiences in, in whatever genre you're in? Um, I think those are questions you want to think about and make sure you have good answers for them and a way to frame your book as you're like pitching it to publishers, to agents, so that it looks like it's going to hit the biggest audience as possible, right? Follow up to that, like, what do you do if you feel like publishing doesn't value the audience that you think you'll reach the way that you do? Ooh, you're asking the big questions. <laughs> uh, that's where it gets really tough, right? Um, and I publish a kind of fiction that I believe it, that audience exists and is an underserved, underutilized audience in publishing's mind. Um, and, you know, by that, I mean mostly like marginalized audiences. Uh, and so convincing publishers that that audience exists and we know how to get to them is the real challenge, right? And sometimes if it, publishers want to follow existing success because that's where the safe money is, even though that means that there is potential for more audience if we go in a different direction, right? Um, and so it's a balancing act, right? Is how do you find a way to make your thing look a lo enough like another thing while still getting to the new thing. I don't think that was a very clear way to put that, but <laughs> you know, it's it's you almost need to like disguise what your book is, like hiding a pill in cheese for a dog in in some ways. Yeah, this is a this is a thing that we had to do with so puppet theater. We run into this all the time that everyone you say puppet theater and people think it's for kids. And when you're doing serious adult drama, with puppets, and you say, I'm doing adult puppetry, everyone's minds go someplace that is not where you are, actually are. So what we learned to do was to pair it with something. It is, um, I'm doing a retelling of Hamlet, incorporating uh, puppets, Disney, <laughs> and uh, and stage theater. Mm -hmm. But you, you, you say, I'm incorporating this and then it's the the strange and the familiar. You, you package exactly. it with something that they are familiar with so that they're like, oh, I like this. Ooh, and you've got this other spicy thing. The other thing to look at, and, and this, is, this is as difficult as finding the right piece of cheese to put that pill in so <laughs> that the dog will eat it. Um, but I like this one more. Um, find allies who share your vision and who are in a position to connect you with more people who share that vision. Because ultimately, if there's a demographic that's not being served by publishing, um, you're unlikely to solve the problem without someone in publishing deliberately pivoting and aiming at that demographic. Exactly. So building a cohort is a great way to do that. Building a cohort. Finding a group of writers who do kind of the same thing that you do and that's a way to convince publishers. Um, publishers are very easy. It, this is why it's important to understand the publisher business and they have this logic, is once you understand the fundamental logic of what they're looking for, then you can start, I don't know, manipulating them, right? Like, uh, <laughs> But this is where the short story market comes in yeah. because it's, it's an opportunity for, you know, we're, that we were seeing that happen a lot with short fiction, that, that the the stories that were winning in short fiction were shifting the demographic. And then people were like, oh, let's give that person a platform with a book. 
And, and there is a, it is, it is not the fast movement we'd like to see, but that's one of the, Mm -hmm. one of the places where you will see people starting to experiment. Exactly. Um, And so I think finding those experimental markets and then using that to build into the more traditional markets. And that's why change is so slow in publishing. It takes a long time to publish a book. It takes a long time to move publishers off a certain logic. Change does happen, but it is incremental and it is painfully slow sometimes. This is reminding me so much of the conversation around uh, energy and renewable resources. Um, People realized, you know, decades ago, you can't convince an energy company to switch away from coal towards solar purely out of the goodness of their hearts. Because like we've been saying about publishing, they're a business. They're in this to make money. And so the goal then became, we're going to make it so cheap that it just makes more business sense to use solar. And we've already seen that in Europe. They passed that point this year or last year, where it is literally cheaper to produce solar power than through any other means right now in Europe. And so that kind of goal of you know greener energy, renewable energy has been accomplished through business means. It just takes a long time and you have to approach it with that right mindset. Exactly. So with that in mind, uh, I have a little bit of homework for all of you. So I want you to start thinking about, take a look at your work in progress, and think about who your audience is. Think about what comp titles there are. Think about how you want to, if you had to sit down with an agent, with an editor, with a publisher today, and convince them that there's a market for your book, how would you start doing that? So make a list of your three to five titles that your book is like, and here's the audience for that book. And then you'll be set up at least to start thinking about how to turn your book into a commercial success. In the next episode of Writing Excuses, we help you figure out if working in publishing is right for you, and Aaron explains why you should take a bath after you receive a rejection letter. Until then, you're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. For this episode, your hosts were Mary Robinette Kowal, Dong Wan Song, Aaron Roberts, Dan Wells, and Howard Taylor. This episode was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr., mastered by Alex Jackson, and produced by Emma Reynolds. For more information, visit writingexcuses.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.